Hello, welcome to Commercial Break. I'm Dan. You may know me from Twitter as uh, If the Dude Abides, or as the guy who's currently 0-3 in the Bugling Fantasy Football League. Or maybe you know me from the time I was on Getting Dug and barely spoke as I tried not to have an anxiety attack. This is a Buzz Tank pilot where we'll watch some classic commercials from the 80s and 90s. Extra vote once a day to 833-991-2879. Go ahead and vote for me if you like what you hear or not. If I win, I'm assuming I'm going to have to make a lot more of these, and that sounds like a lot of work. Besides, I'm already a winner. My submission got me a Twitter follow from McRae, and that really impressed my wife. So, let's get this going. I've got a top-tier guest here. The host of the World's Best podcast about a little-known gem from the 90s called The Friends Show, The Friendsman. Here is Nate Kiley. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for having me. It's, Welcome, it's... Nate. It's thank great to for, be here. Thank you for boarding the slow motion train wreck in action. <laughs> this is this is fantastic. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to talk about commercials. I'm so excited to talk about 90s stuff. I can see the videos that you're going to play. I'm very excited about them. You have one. I don't think I sent you that I, I, I knew this commercial, but you put it in there anyway. And I'm excited about that. It's kind of hard to pick because there's a lot of good ones. You forget how much the commercials meant back then. But now my son, yeah. he, 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 when he has to watch something with commercials, he's like, what the heck is this? It's, it's a different game. It's a different game now that nowadays. We were in the, the final stages of toys and toy commercials. And I mean, you know, obviously toys still exist, but, you know, I'm not. You, you advertise a toy through Fortnite nowadays or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it works. Yeah, and even when they, the commercials nowadays, they're like straight down the middle. I mean, you still get some weird candy commercials, I guess, but like the stuff sure. that they used to put out there and the swings they used to take and think they were doing such a good job pumping it into your home day after day for kids to watch. Is you used to remarkable. have songs in commercials. You used to have art in commercials. You used to have jingles that got stuck in your head that I still remember. Um, I was listening to a podcast the other day where they were talking about the uh, the Chicken Limbo commercial with the with the the toy and the jingle in it that's a catchy one um there's a lot of good jingles we're gonna talk about toys too i didn't want to i didn't want to talk about pogs come on i'm not that kind of guy oh you know what there i took the pogs one off it's it's okay i liked pogs i did like pogs. i like pogs too there was one for the uh the pog maker yes i i had the pog as a kid and thought it was real cool the first time i used it and they started falling apart immediately afterwards the crappy pogs. They made crappy pogs. I, I do have an issue with something that you said that, that I that I host the best podcast about the friend show. I I think my podcast is fine. We're I'm working really hard with JP to get it up to the level that it needs to be. Well, um, let me say this. It is the best one I have ever listened to. <laughs> oh, thank you. I was gonna say I think I think Tom Sharpling's podcast about friends is better. Because I haven't listened to the whole thing, but he, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's an entire podcast about friends where they don't talk about friends at all, which is an impressive bit. Fair enough. I mean, I'll have to check that out because I'm, I mean, friends is good, but not it has the friends. Is <laughs> yeah. And it has the best title too, which is meet my friends, the friends. And that's just, you can't really beat that. We, we, we have a good title, but I don't know. That's a great one. I Tom mean, Sharpling, come on my podcast, please. Yeah, if you, if you can call into the 19th hour of a George Lucas talk show, you have a few minutes to give Nate some time for a friendsman. 
It's the oh. least you could do, Tom Sharpling. I've been listening to you on podcasts for years now. <laughs> so I, 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 I got to drop a bomb on you, Nate. I mentioned Uh-oh. earlier how, how, how proud my wife was that I actually interacted on Twitter with McRae from Big Okay. Brother. My original intention was to invite him on this podcast as my guest to score some brownie points with my wife. Because I'm like, oh, if I get McRae on my podcast, she's going to love it. It really and impressed I, the wife. Well, then I listened to the first episode of Buzz Tank, and guess who one of my competitors is? Oh, no. It's McRae. So That's a conflict that of interest. Yeah, you can't have him on. No, we got to stomp him. I hope you do. I hope you do. I've been listening to Buzz Tank. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say anything about it, frankly, because... Yeah, I have not listened to anything past the first episode, because I did not want to get psyched out or overconfident or anything. And I think everything is really good. You've got, you've got some strong competition. You've got some... That's all I'll say. Everything is really, really good. Well, if that doesn't instill confidence, I don't know what. Does. Just like I'm sure this is going to be great. I mean, hell, yeah. you've got me on this podcast. This is going to be post-production magic. It will be all set. <laughs> all right. So we had mentioned earlier how crazy it was as a kid watching TV. I myself was a big Nickelodeon kid. I remember my cable as a kid did not have Disney Channel, but there okay. was like these a few kids in our town that have like satellite or whatever yeah. crazy channels. And they were always like, oh, Disney Channel this, Disney Channel that. And I was like, what the hell's that? You know, I only watch Nickelodeon. And it was and, like and this weird mythical thing that existed. And now it's like synonymous with like Nickelodeon, I think, is probably the second tier kids programming outside. Oh, of oh, 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 no, 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 no. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't no? say that. I get what you mean. Like, it's not as good as when we were kids is what you're kind of saying. Well, I mean, like, I think when people think of like, tv for kids i think disney channel is like what people think of nowadays what does disney channel do nowadays what are what are what are kids watching on disney channel nowadays well, i, I mean, have no like, idea think of all the uh the like young starlets coming out they're all disney channel actresses like all yeah. the singers and like like zendaya just won a freaking emmy and she's from disney right channel. she's a disney kid jesus fucking christ this is my problem all right this is my problem i don't like the disney thing okay oh, i'm not a fan either don't I, I, I can tell i can tell and and just like you said, you know, I didn't watch Disney Channel when I was growing up. I got the station. I just saw it and recognized it as total dog shit and flipped fucking back to Ren and Stimpy. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I think the competition, it, the Nickelodeon is not putting out its best. You don't have like a Pete and Pete in a... Right. A Nickelodeon is not making stars anymore, unless it's by accident. Um, it's basically SpongeBob. It's SpongeBob's house and there's no one else living in it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I saw, uh, Spongebob being drawn. Yeah. The original, like, drawings of Spongebob. I, I got a story for you. I'll make your podcast successful. <laughs> I auditioned to replace the voice of Hey Arnold when I was a kid. Oh, yeah? Yes. I was doing child acting, and I, my agent asked, hey, can he do this voice? And I was a fan of the show, and so I tried to do it, and I went into audition for it. And I, I don't think I ever heard anything about it. But I went into, like, Nickelodeon Studios proper, like the Willy Wonka TV production studio where everything's crazy and everything like that. And when we were walking out, when we were leaving, my mom, like, started wandering with me because she knew it was, like, a chance to see something cool. And it was, like, kind of after hours and stuff. You and we watch walk, out for those Oompa Loompas come carry you. Yeah, watch out for the Nickelodeon the security. Yeah, exactly. That would be kind of scary. The uh, the temple guards tried to grab us. But we walked past a guy in a booth sketching 
like literally drawing on paper and like flipping the pages back and forth. And she asked him what he was drawing and if we could see. And he said, and I don't know who it was. I don't know who was drawing. And I'm sure it was just a lower level person. But he said, yeah, I don't know what it really is. It's like this talking sponge that lives underwater. And we thought it was kind of weird. We were like, oh, well, that doesn't sound like it's going to go anywhere. But yeah, I mean, to I, be fair, it, it is kind of weird. <laughs> it's very weird. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But yes, to, to, to answer your original question, I don't like Disney. I like Nickelodeon. And to take it a step further, I think what Disney does is incredibly nefarious to a certain extent. And I think that's all I'll say about that right now. <laughs> I, I mean, having a kid myself and, like, watching him watch these shows and, like, coming in and out, it's, like, it just seems like kids programming nowadays is a bunch of goofy characters and, like, every plot is just a recycled old plot from, like, a fairy tale or yeah. a class. Like, it's literally 40-year-old dudes writing scripts yeah. that are, like, classic sitcom episodes and then just replacing the characters with the characters on the show. And And I've always said this about Nickelodeon, too, is that I learned comedy from Nickelodeon. Like I learned truly funny writing from watching Nickelodeon cartoons because they're all just really like on a, on a, on a comedy writing level, really, really sound and strong for whatever reason that is maybe because they're all animation. Well, not all of them. I mean, uh, yeah, right, right. You right. had a character like donkey lips, so you know, it's going to be funny. <laughs> not all of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As a fan of all that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I watched all the live action ones too. Yeah, there was some good stuff. All right. On that note, let's get into our first video here. This but son of a, a bitch stick stickly afternoon, which I mean it's got stick stickly who we'll I talk love about this guy video. But when I was looking at this video, there's also like the tease of one of the shows that was a thing I forgot existed. So I'm oh, boy. excited to see that. Like I love I said, this, this is- son of a bitch. What's up on Nick in the Afternoon? Huh. Well, from here, it looks like just about everything. Hey, how's it going down there? Pretty good, thanks. Anywho, starting this Monday and every weekday from 3 to 5, I'll take you behind the scenes. We'll answer viewer mail. Who knows who you'll run into? Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, simmer down. You'll get your regular Nick Afternoon lineup, including Wienerville. Let me just put this down. Oh, and I forgot to tell you, I'm Stick Stigley, and I'll be your host. I remember that. Uh, yeah, so there's Stick Stickly, the host of their afternoon programming, who was a popsicle stick with googly eyes. And funny as hell, too. And, and, and I would say a favorite of everyone for many years. Yeah, yeah, Stick Stickly's good people. Yeah. Seems like that kind of thing cannot fly today. Not just put googly eyes on a popsicle stick and have millions of ch- children adore him on a daily basis. I don't know, man. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you're not going to get that. You're not going to get that past anyone, but I think I you could watching, do like, it. Who is the voice of Stick Stickly? Like I've yeah. never, I want to see like the the behind. He's got the, like a nice little character going in there. Yeah. I also enjoyed that when the guy tried almost stepped on him, he told him to quote unquote simmer down. Simmer down. I'm Stick Stickly, Jack. He sounds like Joe Biden, like a soft spoken Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> oh, watch out, corn pop. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's Stick Stickly. Let's uh, let's head into. Some other kind of random stuff here. I don't. I I almost now like after talking about Nickelodeon, just want to keep watching Nickelodeon promos. But I guess that'd be get a little repetitive. Do do the friggin' crazy bones rap. You want to skip right to that? Yeah, do the crazy bones rap. All right, we're gonna go. We'll check out. I played Sonic, but I don't know. I don't know a whole lot about Sonic. 
Sonic is pretty funny. The, the commercial itself is just funny because it's got okay. Leave. We can watch the commercial. I'm down for a funny commercial. Right. Oh, I'll watch it just for it's no. It's, when you buy the Sega Genesis that comes with Sonic One, you'll get Sonic Two absolutely free. Sonic Two handles stubborn stains, embarrassing bald spots, no problem. It even slices and dices, makes thousands of julienne fries. But wait, you can play it too. This free Sonic 2 is a $54.99 value. You get two Sonics for the price of one. Sonic 2 fits easily into any tackle box. Made from a space-age polymer plastic for years of family fun. And pets love it too. Buy the Sega Genesis that comes with Sonic 1 and get Sonic 2 free. Act now. Wiener Dog Sweater sold separately. Man, dude, that was funny. Yeah, that's, I, I really enjoyed that. I don't even remember that commercial from when I was little. I remember playing Sonic and Sonic 2 because I had a Sega. But well, here's the thing. Really made me smile. That's so far ahead of its time, man. I guarantee, like that, never even played on television. Like the guy that the guy that pitched and made that died penniless, not even knowing that he was a genius. Because that's so. That's like that was like a. It's like an Adult Swim commercial or something. It was, like, yeah. Like, yeah. As soon as they start chopping the vegetables with the Sonic, the absurdity, like, oh, so they, funny. They know what they're doing here, yeah. All right, let's move on. This is the one that you had actually mentioned to me as a toy that you had liked. And when I watched it, I, I literally had forgotten it existed. But yeah, then as soon did. as it started going, I was like, oh, I remember this commercial, which yeah, is definitely yeah, something yeah. that happened a lot when researching commercials for the show. Like, oh, I if you had put a gun to my head and said, does this thing exist? I would say, I don't think so. But then as soon as I so, started watching the commercial, it's so embedded in my brain that I immediately remember. I feel like we should maybe explain a little bit. Crazy Bones were a Pog-type toy. Yeah, it's a great like, example of a 90s toy where it's just a random plastic piece of something that is right. all in TV commercials on kids' shows to get people I mean, Honestly, they still have shit like this today. It's just like today it's like fidget spinners. And like um, I have a buddy that works and makes these little turtle bracelet things that sell in like every gas station in the country. It's like the same. It's like a branding thing. And it's like... You never really know what's gonna like hit and what kids are gonna be like excited about. Yeah, you just produce stuff and hope that I had hundreds of these things. All right, let's check this out. Crazy bones. You got your bones ready, a print with bones too. So play those crazy bones, that's what you gotta do. Kids go crazy for crazy bones. The collectible trade of a playable new craze. But crazy bones play seven different games, like battle and over the line. Each one has a name like Eggy, Fly, Frankie, Joker, and the Fang. Joker. Shooters, get your targets, play for fun. Just play those crazy bones on the playground in the streets. Series one now available for a limited time. Each sold separately from Playtoy. The rap really kind of falls apart there at the end. It does. But I, I love that it's like battling, where you throw them at each other or over the right. line, where you right. throw them at the line. <laughs> line not included. And, and it's the, I feel like I should explain the commercial is a bunch of white children hanging out in a terrible part of town with graffiti all over the place and just whipping crazy bones at each other. And the crazy bones themselves look like little erasers or something. They're like little heads. They're like little character heads. And like Fang, I remember, looks like a shark. Yeah. Like it's like a shark jaws head with like a big fang on it. It was kind of like what if pogs instead of being flat and cardboard were round and plastic we're like little i'll tell you what this this doesn't work today because kids would be three 3d printing their own crazy bones because they're like little 3d little models and i remember like you get different points when you throw them for like the way they land if they land like up or face down or on their back or something like that well i think that's the other thing i noticed that was a little weird in retrospect is that like it's called crazy bones isn't bones what they call it when you're playing dice in the, yes. in the alley 
Yes, so this is actually like it's, it's playing on like street gambling, which I guess is a thing that a lot of kids' games do. Like you're playing Pokemon and you try to take your opponent's cards or whatever. This is actually incredibly problematic. <laughs> like it's, wow. it's one thing to kind of emulate it, but to call it crazy bones. Wow. Like, Oh no. <laughs> oh god, I hope that's not really what it is. I don't see what else I like, I, I, I agree. I agree, but like, oh my god. That's bad, dude. That's really bad. That's the 90s for you. Wow. Next video. Let's go to the next video. <laughs> oh, I remember this. I think what we have there is a great example of let's take a phrase that people say a lot and make a toy about it. Yeah, this seems like a money laundering scheme to me. He's playing with his food again. Yeah, I mean, it's a great, it's a great, it's great copy. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fault it for that but so, so this is food fighters it's basically just action figures that are shaped like a hamburger and a piece of pizza yeah and there's like a big vehicle and the vehicle like... makes no sense because it is an egg cart <laughs> they right. call it a combat carton it is literally a giant egg carton that the hamburger is supposed to drive in apparently they might have a lawsuit with that seth rogan movie i'll, I'll tell us I'll, I'll tell you that much right that now. is a fair point Although, I mean, Sausage Party is kind of like having a good time. Food Fighters is kind of like the opposite. They're trying to kill each other. I bet these things look horrific. Like, if you had them in your... I can't really, like, see the detail on them, but I bet they're, like, so gross looking. Yeah, I... When I was watching this, I actually... It was like, I feel like my older brother might have had one of these. And I was picturing these, like, weird nugget I, guys. Yeah, I remember some of these, too. Yeah, But I also I, couldn't remember if it was nugget guys that were food fighters or nugget guys that were, like, a McDonald's promotion. I think McDonald's something. had food transformer things, too, or something like that. Yeah. So weird. Yeah, very weird. All right, let's move on here to the next one, which I, I personally, as a kid, I watched Power Rangers a lot. Same, like I used same. To, I used to watch it before school and after school. Huge and fan. Had, I had some toys, I had a board game, like it was a big thing. And then I I remember a lot of commercials, they're all very similar. But then I watched this one and I was like, really? They tried to pivot to that? So let's watch these uh, Kimberly and Aisha oh, dolls. No. Power Rangers, this is Zordon. Kimberly, Aisha, warp into Power Rangers and defeat Lord Zed's latest threat. Day's work done. Now it's time for some fun. Here's a beautiful outfit, Aisha, and this pink mini dress is for you, Kimberly. No one will ever suspect that two trendy teenagers are really Power Rangers. Now have a great time. Hope you can keep Lord Zed out of your hair. Power Rangers, Kimberly and Aisha dolls from Bandai. The power is on. So what we have here is Power Rangers that are basically Barbie Power Rangers. They go and fight Zed, but then they go back and they talk about what outfit they are. That's so bad, dude. I have so many thoughts on this. So I had Power Rangers toys. Me and my brother had them. I don't remember these. I never, I, I imagine they were not very heavily marketed. Or you know very, what I mean? Yeah, they were not very popular. I don't think. Sure. 
they're they're Barbies. Like what you're saying is absolutely yeah. correct. They're Barbies with Power Ranger suits. They have Power Ranger suits and they have regular outfits, which okay. Like if you did that for all of the Power Rangers, I could see how that could make sense as the toy because they are they are high school students and they are Power Rangers at the same time. But they didn't do that for all the Power. I remember I had all the Power Rangers toys and they were just they didn't transform into their high school selves. Uh, They didn't transform into Barbies. Who's buying a Power Ranger to be like, I can't wait to get them in some regular street clothes so they can socialize (laughs) outside the high school before the monster attacks. (laughs) And also knowing, you know, knowing what I know about toys from this era and seeing um, the Barbie dolls with the full heads of hair. And then at the end of the commercial, they showed the helmets like right next to them. There's no way that those helmets fit on those Barbie dolls heads, especially with like all the hair that they have on there. It just, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. The outfits are definitely for fashion purposes only. I have a girl. That's sad. All right. Let's finish it off with one that I was very excited to find with a very famous actor. doing. Oh, this is great, dude. You're familiar with the Mick DLT. Absolutely. And I have a lot to say about it, honestly. Right, Let's check but yeah, play this commercial because I'm going to need to rock You see, you're getting tired of lettuce and tomato hamburgers that don't quite make it? Yeah! Then look at McDonald's new McDLT. I'm talking quarter pound of beef on the hot, hot side. The new McDLT. Crisp lettuce and tomato on the cool, cool side. The new McDLT. Cool, crisp. The beef stays hot. The cool stays crisp. Put it together, you can't resist. Could be the best lettuce and tomato hamburger ever. It's a good time for the great taste of McDonald's. Damn, dude. Uh, along the same lines as what I said about another commercial. Whoever made that commercial got fired hard and like killed himself. I swear to God, because I, I can tell it was just not, nobody liked it when it came out, but it's so good. It's like. The commercial is oh. great, but like the innovation itself. I, at first, I was like, who got a raise for having the hot and cold sides separate? That is so stupid. But then I thought about it and I'm like, wait a minute. That's genius. It's actually the most genius idea still? in the entire world. What I have to say about the McDLT is that I don't think that they executed it in the correct way, but steam management is the biggest problem in fast food today. Um, so many instances of just delicious food ruined by getting wet and soggy. And now with the friggin' pandemic, everything is coming in like tied up plastic bags. Now everything's getting 10 times more wet. Um, five guys needs to discontinue their use of the cups to hold their fries in because you get your friggin' stuff. And all the bag fries are pretty good. And all the cup fries are soggy and nasty. Um, they have a fantastic French fry, but the cup system is really, really holding them back in the delivery aspect. No, I mean, in general, it is the year 2020. Our fry technology should be much greater than it is. Uh, I eat at Raising Cane's a lot. I'm probably going to order it right after I get off the uh, horn here. And their stuff comes in a paper container. It's shaped like a styrofoam container, but it's made out of paper. And it really does make a lot of difference because you get it 
And like, you can feel that the container is like moist and soggy and you open it up. up Yeah. moisture. And all the fried stuff is still pretty good. Like it's, it, 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 there's some issues, but it's, it's much better than any other system out there. All right. Well, Nate, I, I feel real this, passionate about steam management. You can't. I think it's something me off like passionate this. <laughs> about. There have been a lot of meals ruined by improper steam management, uh, uh, and it's unacceptable. I mean, it is the future. We should be able to have crispy French fries, or just start using paper stuff again. I swear to God, it makes it makes all the difference when like you throw it in a paper bag. It just or even if you, get take, if you get takeout and like some places will poke holes in the top of the container. Sure, that helps and too. It's like it's a little step. It goes a long way. So mm-hmm. that your fried chicken or whatever is not a soggy mess by the time you get home. It's not like the you're delivery the guys. Anymore. The delivery guys that care about what they're doing, they keep those salads and cold items separate from from all your hot stuff. It's it's important. It's an important step. But you can see here the McDLT has a styrofoam container. And, and it is and twice the size of a regular styrofoam. Definitely yeah. not good for the environment. Definitely not. And, and there's is, no... It is good for the sogginess. There's no separation between the containers, in my opinion. The, the steam's just going to travel into the lettuce part. But also a I'm fantastic guessing, I'm guessing there's a reason why it did not last that long. I, I bet people hated that commercial, too. <laughs> well, it certainly didn't hurt Jason Alexander's career after 1985. Yeah, yeah. Although it is kind of funny seeing him as a jovial singing pitch man for a oh, he's so good. item. As he's opposed so good. to a, a grumpy, you know, serenity <laughs> now, serenity <laughs> now kind of character. Well, that's where he comes from Broadway, right? Yeah, I think he's like yeah. classically trained. He's yeah. great in a lot of things. It's just people have trouble seeing past the George Costanza aspect. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, he did it to himself. He's so good at that. Yeah, I mean. Well, like even he's great in uh, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, but even there, his character is kind of like a grumpy sure. like down and out like annoyed with people right. like kind of playwright or whatever he is right all right mate this was fun buddy i i hope you enjoyed uh taking part in this buzz tank pilot that will surely not go anywhere i i enjoyed it um i think you got a real shot i hope you don't have to go up to piss cat uh, up against piss cast pcast uh because um uh or, or this american piss i'm sorry i just smoked a very large joint. Um, I will be sending my piss in to be played on, on the podcast. I don't know. So that'll do it for the pilot episode of Commercial Break with Dan. I am on Twitter at If the Dude Abides. Um, thank you very much, Nate, for joining us. What would you like to plug? Um, please listen to my podcast. It's called Friendsman. I host it with my best friend, JP. He's such a good guy. I love him so much. Yeah, we've got some great episodes coming out. Kate Rath, uh, Chid, Cy of Rounding Down, and uh, I think Max Mayer after that. So uh, check it out. Correct correct me if I'm wrong. Did you not just have a uh, three-part crossover with the Dune Boys? Oh, the Dune Boys. Oh, please. Oh, these Dune Boys. We did. We did a three-part crossover. They tricked me and JP into fighting with each other, which I can't believe that happened. Um, yeah, check that out, too. It's very fun. We have episodes on on the Dune Boys feed, too. Check out the Dune Boys. They, they were fun. My main critique? Too much Dune Boys. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's too kind. I agree. I agree. Too much Dune Boys. Too much JP. 
All right, Dave. Thank you very much. No worries, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was fun. All right, there you have it. Commercial break. Buzz Tank Pilot. Thanks so much, Big Nate, for being my guest. He's at NateCorius10 on Twitter. You can follow me at If the Dude Abides. Thank you so much to Content for Creators on YouTube for our copyright-free music. And don't forget to go out and vote for your favorite Buzz Tank Pilot, whether it's this one or not. Don't bother trying to vote for This American Test. It has already been eliminated. April 12, 2005, producer extraordinaire Tom Beer's new show, Deadliest Catch, premiered. The show was a hit for the Discovery Channel, and Beer's would go on to win two consecutive Emmys for the show in subsequent years. Sixteen seasons later, and it's still going strong. It was for a long time perhaps the flagship show of many Discovery and History Channel reality programs geared towards an audience of dads, including Ice Road Truckers, Lobster Wars, Axemen, and Pawn Stars. Fifteen years later, and I assume halfway around the world on an undisclosed tropical oasis, President Island Franklin puts out the call for submissions to what he dubs the Buzz Tank, a single elimination bracket of podcast ideas. I heard the call, and I answered it, half-jokingly volunteering myself and my unwitting and barely willing dad, Kevin, to do a show reviewing each episode of Deadliest Catch. On September 27, 2020, we convened to discuss Season 1, Episode 1 of Deadliest Catch. This is Podliest Cast. I've never seen this before. On average, the Bering Sea will claim the life of one unlucky soul every week of the season. And this year will be no different. Over the next two crab seasons, men will die. Yeah, it takes Coast Guard to keep a sharp lookout. Our safe having seen or knowing the whereabouts of the sister ship went down. I hope they're all right. Let's get them back home to their families. Well, I, I can't see them. Uh, and we're looking for any survivors in the water at this time. Over. You don't want to think the worst case scenario, right? Not yet, anyways. And that's what makes Alaskan crab the deadliest catch. Welcome, Greenhorns. This is your captain speaking. Uh, my name is Randy, and with me, as always, is my first mate and co-host and father, Kevin. Uh, welcome to the show, Kevin. Thanks, Randy. I look forward to it. <laughs> so this show, of course, is called Podliest Cast, um, and we are recording on the eve of the submission date to the, the buzz tank of the Buzzcast Network. Um, I sort of had to rope you into this last minute. Um, you seemed, I guess I would say a little bit hesitant to participate in this, but you've, you've been very game and very helpful and you did sit down and watch the whole 45 minute, uh, seemed a little long to me, honestly, first episode of the first season of Deadliest Catch, um, which is what we're here to talk about today, uh, on the show Podliest Cast, we talk about uh episode by episode every episode 
of the show Deadliest Catch. Um, and the reason I guess I want to talk about right at the top of the show that I wanted to host this show with you was because um, you are the reason that I know about this show, that I have seen many episodes of it over the years. Um, you were a pretty big fan of it when it was in, I guess I would say it's heyday of maybe seasons three through eight, it felt like, was maybe the zone where it was was the height of your fandom of the show. Would you say that's true? I think so, and I probably even took a few years off or a few seasons off, and then within the last couple of years, I've re-engaged and enjoyed it again with the different cast and crew that have um, kind of joined later in the seasons. And so it's interesting to go back and see the first episode and just see how different it is when they first started and really didn't know what they were doing, even with the cameras and um, camera operators and how they were going to produce the show, much less uh, what goes into it from the fisherman's perspective. Yes, I was definitely, it has a different feeling than what I was in my memory of the show. Um, the structure, I would say, is overall pretty much the same as yeah. it as it remains to be the rest of the, the series. Um, but you even commented Mike Rowe, the narrator, his voice sounds very different in the first episode. I feel like there's maybe also more narration from him than there is in later stuff. Um it felt like he was talking almost throughout the whole episode. Right, but the flip side is when when Mike Rose narrating, how can a show be bad? That's so true. I mean, <laughs> he's one of he's one of the great voice artists of our era. I would say. Um, of course, Mike Rowe, you you probably know from uh, his main claim to fame, Dirty Jobs. Right. Um, uh, and I also should mention. Um, I called, of course, our listeners are called the Greenhorns. For anyone who maybe is not familiar with the show, um, could you explain for us what a Greenhorn is? A Greenhorn is someone who is in their first season on a crab boat and are learning how to be a crabber. And they get all of the crappiest jobs on Mm -hmm. the boat um, just trying to survive the season. Right. And we did see uh, in this episode uh, one of the main Greenhorns featured. uh, The first episode of of this season is called Greenhorns. Um, So they feature them pretty heavily. Um, Bradford does have to uh, do one of, I would say, probably the worst things they make Greenhorns do on any of these boats, uh, which is bite the head off of a herring. Is that right? Um, And... They do show that on camera, and his mouth is full of blood afterwards. And, I mean, I have to imagine at least some of the time, I would say at least one greenhorn who has to do that every year almost certainly gets fish bones sticking in their mouth. Not all of that blood, I imagine, is the fishes. But, uh, you know, it's been so long since I've seen this episode. Bradley actually did a good job. Typically, you see uh, greenhorns blowing chow after that. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was a real, he was a real champ the whole episode. It seemed like he was just, he had a good attitude and was going and going. Um, did not like in, in some of the later seasons, I remember seeing a lot of the younger greenhorns, um, have, uh, 
pretty negative attitudes, which is understandable. The work is unbelievably hard and stressful. Um, I certainly couldn't do it. Um, and it was the, the older uh, former military guy who, Eric, who on the show was really struggling. Um, Harder time. Yeah, he was not, he was not doing well. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about right off the bat is um, there were a lot of missing familiar faces for, I think, longtime fans of Deadliest Catch in this first episode. I really thought that we would see some of the Harris boys. They did not show up. Those are some of the most memorable people on the show um, their, to me. Their father, Phil, and I thought he had been in it since the beginning, but mm-hmm. was, was not part of at least the first episode and I assume the first season. Yeah, I think the most most memorable face that gets seen in this first episode is probably Sig. Right. Um, Sig Hansen, who remains... He is not personally still on the show, but his boat still is, right? No, he is. He is still personally on the show? Wow. He, he is He is working to turn it over to his daughter, Mandy, but he is still the captain. Now, his brother, um, whose name escapes me, uh, who was the um, partner on the boat and the, uh, the deck boss, he has decided to, uh, to leave the show and I think the, the industry, at least temporarily. Right. Um, you're talking about Edgar? Edgar. Right. right. Edgar Hansen, his brother. Um, right. That's interesting. And, and a lot of, they were even saying in this episode that they don't, a lot of the boats do not like having women on them which I think is an interesting wrinkle. And we've um, seen that change. And oh, and over the course of the show, that has changed. Right. Um, they're more accepting of it now. Yes. Still not prevalent, but, for example, the current season that is going on right now, there is a, a greenhorn who is a female, and she is kicking butt. Uh, yeah. I've, um, I imagine she probably has to. <laughs> Um, you right. know, probably has to pull her own weight even more than a young man would, um, just to prove herself to these people. Um, I don't think I'd want my son or daughter doing it. When they say deadliest catch, that's not a joke. Excuse me. <clears throat> you can edit that. That's not a joke. <laughs> um, I, I was doing some, uh, a little research and saw where commercial fishing is the most dangerous job, um, out there and Bering Sea crab fishermen on average during the season have one death per week. Right. And in IT, we really don't see that very often. I would imagine not uh, in, in IT. Um, and yeah, they do, they do heavily emphasize that in the show. It is sort of like, I mean, the job never becomes less dangerous as the series went on, but um, I feel like the focus changed more to sort of the almost character study of of these people who are out there especially the captains become right. like almost like pop culture figures and in the off show the boat they kind mm-hmm. of follow their stories um whereas in this part of the beginning of the show where we were watching it's very much about the job um it's very much about the details of the job and specifically how dangerous it is much like micro's other show dirty jobs Right. started out as a very strong concept of the dirtiest jobs and then sort of morphs into something else in the later seasons of that show as well. Um, 
Yeah, they definitely delve into the characters and even now, and I think that's probably where I lost some interest along the way because how many crab can you see coming over a boat for 60 minutes a week? Mm-hmm. And But then the characters kind of pull you back in and what they're doing and how they're progressing. And the whole thing is really about, as they pointed out in this episode, family and tradition. Mm-hmm. And so many of the boats have you know, father-sons and now father-daughters, um, brothers, uh, who are taking it over from a, another generation. It's really hard to understand why somebody would want to do it, but it's, as they say, in their blood. Yes. Um, yeah, the, the Hanson boat, I guess now that his daughter is taking over, fifth generation um, on the Hanson boat. And, um, and there is... Um, it seems to work out well for the Hanson family for the most part. Um, some families, however, specifically the Harrises, I would say, have more uh, interpersonal trouble perhaps than it's worth to be working with family. <laughs> right, right. Although Edgar and Sig had their have their moments as well. That's I, true. I think it's just very tough to be in that kind of pressure um, and you know, just try and get along. Um. Absolutely. Um, and I also notice uh, in this episode uh, a heavy featuring of, of a young man named Kevin who almost died. <laughs> that is true. Um, I think he, he just slipped and was at the rail and uh, took a header off the, off the side of the boat. Mm-hmm. And they even, they even made him, the production crew, I guess, made him watch the footage of him doing that over again for the show which uh seems a little mean to me um i wouldn't necessarily want to revisit those memories for television well um that's the allure and the uh, you know craziness of even watching it is that i think you for those who are fans for those who watch it we typically say why in the world are they doing this and Mm. And no way would I do that. Or sometimes, maybe after a beer, think, hey, maybe I could do that. <laughs> and, and it's just crazy to think that unless you are young and fit and a little bit crazy, would you ever attempt to do something like that? It's really true. And the way that these guys talk on the boats reminds me a lot of kitchen jobs that I have had um, as a cook where... They just seem to, even though um, it's not that they don't recognize the, uh, I mean, let's be honest, basically inhumane working conditions that they are in. It's not that they don't see that. They just uh, choose to view it as a point of pride rather than um, right. Rather than than something that's working against them. They seem to think that like, uh, and I guess. You know, on a certain level, that's almost what you have to do in order to get through work like that. Um, you know, and I've worked in kitchens where I've had to work, you know, 10 hours straight. I've not taken a break and, and I've got burns or cuts on my hands while I'm doing it. Um, and it's very unpleasant. Um, but you also know that when you get to the end of the night, there is a sense of pride when you go out to, and they don't even get this opportunity on the boat, but you go out to the bar um, or whatever, and the bartender gives you your shift drink, and you're with all the other cooks, and you get to say, "Well, that was awful, but we did it." 
right. and and we can be proud of that because we got through it and we didn't mess it all up. Yeah, it's just the job, and that's what it is. And no matter what the job is, you can have that sense of accomplishment. Um, well, um, I think that that I think basically covers the what happens in the first episode. It is, I think, maybe a little bit long and a little bit dry, um, uh, despite there being a lot of water. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> you didn't like that joke. Um, and it, it, yeah, it's very procedural in this first episode, and it, it does make me look forward to the episodes where there would be a little bit more character drama, um, a little bit less of the minute-to-minute stuff. Um, and and more of the the broader arcs, right? Um, and I'm sure they were just trying to figure it out and mm-hmm. even see if they had something. And the yeah, I'm sure that their scripts, even though they say it is the least scripted of um, reality shows, mm-hmm. and I think that's probably accurate. But just in the beginning, that you know they didn't have the script, so Mike Rose' work um, was different than it is today, right? And so in that regard it was um, somewhat cryptic in the first episode yeah you almost don't know what thread to follow at a certain point in the episode because um it feels like they just had a ton of footage of these boats that they took and then sort of in the editing room had to figure out what the story is there uh, and give a script to Mike Rowe and, and really the show heavily depends on Mike Rowe to sort of bring it all together and make it entertaining which I think he does a pretty good job of and I will say I was while I do think that the show was a little dry in its first episode um, not as good as it would be a couple seasons later especially once some more of the very charismatic captains show up on the scene right. um, uh, I, did, I did find it overall a pretty entertaining episode of television it's not a bad episode of deadliest catch um right and it was again the the first time so we were seeing that environment for the first time probably in our lives we mm. i had never seen anything like that so that definitely held my interest so while i know the production could get better kind of the rawness of it was intriguing and in, in seeing it for the first time Absolutely, I think that's true. And I guess um, at this point, uh, maybe it would be a good time to move into, uh, if you have any final thoughts, and rating the episode on our rating scale, which is, of course, zero to five crabs, claws being half crabs. Um, And uh, I think I'll start with you. Any final thoughts and your rating of the episode? No, just that I'm really glad that they figured out how they could put this on air and bring us into a life that we would not know anything about. Um, I think as a first episode, I'd probably give it three and a half crabs. Three three crabs, one claw. Um, That is a... I think that's a pretty solid score for the first episode. And I think for me... um, Yeah, I think I'm maybe...